0: Well, this is the Christmas edition of Inside EMS. I want to thank everybody for joining us, and I especially want to thank Medtronic. They are the proud sponsor of this Inside EMS podcast. Every emergency call brings a new opportunity to make a difference. Learn how capnography monitoring from Medtronic can help at medtronic.com EMS. It's not Thanksgiving, but the man that I am thankful for being my partner, my good friend, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, five shopping days left till Christmas.
1: I guess I better I get, get shopping,
0: shopping then, huh? <laughs> so have you still not done any shopping?
1: Man, there's this thing called Amazon where I don't even have to put on pants, and that's a wonderful thing. I'm just waiting for the UPS man to show up with my, uh, um, with my gifts and, and all the stuff I've bought for myself, and hopefully Santa's going to uh, deliver Christina Hendricks like I've wished for for the last five years. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I've got a stocking big enough to, to, uh, to put her in. Um, and, and, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get what I want for Christmas. Now,
0: you know, Nancy is not going to let Santa bring you a gift like that. So you she, need to do a-
1: she, she posts outside with one of my rifles every Christmas Eve, uh, and shoots at anything that moves, man. So yeah, I think she's kind of paranoid about it. I keep telling her that, that. Christina is on that unattainable list. You know, every couple has an unattainable list. It's okay to lust after someone if they're absolutely unattainable. Um, hers is Kevin Costner. Mine is, is Christina Hendricks. But, but hope springs eternal in a young man's chest. So I am um, keep hoping that, that Santa Claus will, will recognize that I've been a very good boy all year and, and bring me Christina Hendricks
0: i got to tell you, you guys do have a special relationship. So talking about it, I mean, this is the season
1: for putting up with me. I said it
0: before, man, that woman is going right to heaven. But, uh, you know, this is the season to be jolly, Kelly. You know, Mm -hmm. we've talked about it. We've got five shopping days left till Christmas. And and I thought it would be good just to kind of recap the year. You know, it's how to talk about where we are in EMS, maybe what twenty twenty is going to look like in EMS, and I think that there are a lot of things that have happened now when we think about you know the you know how community paramedicine is you know really now becoming the the way of the land, you know mm-hmm. how we're starting to see more and more assaults on EMS providers, you know how we're starting to see that uh, accidents are. You know, it looks like that we're doing better when it comes to accidents, um, but we're still losing EMS providers as well. I mean, yeah. so, you know, we lost a lot of friends this year, uh, some from their own hand, others from, you know, their, uh, it was just their time to go. And, yeah. uh, you know, 2019, I mean, if we think about it, was it a success for EMS or, or did it not uh, move us forward at all?
1: I think it was a mixed bag. I think it was a mixed bag. I think some other things that, that, uh, is wrong with our profession are still wrong with our professional. But it, I think at least now we're having a dialogue about it. And, and uh, the, the, the groundswell of support for, for change is, is building. And, and I kind of see that in, in, in conversations and uh, in the dialogue and social media and, and, uh, and elsewhere, <laughs> things like uh, issues about fatigue. Um, and, and now, it's not just providers, uh, the the people who are fatigued griping about it. It's become a concern for managers as well. Uh, and and more and more agencies are starting to look critically at the kind of shifts they run and, uh, and what they can do to mitigate fatigue in their, in their uh, own agencies. So I, I think there's a groundswell of support for that. And, and we're, we've kind of shifted in the whole mental health aspect in a good way. I think it's, You know, I've long been saying that awareness of the problem is is not enough. We have to do something about the problem. So so we're kind of shifting away from the uh, uh, look at look at uh, all that's wrong with us and and look at the toll this profession takes on us to how do we fix or or, uh, teach resiliency uh, in our EMS providers and, and give them actual tools to better handle the psychological and emotional aspects of a career in EMS. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that continues to uh, to still build and we'll need to keep being, uh, beating the drum uh, going forward. But um, those are just a few things that, that kind of make me hopeful, even though it, it's much to my chagrin, it's still going on, you know, that, that uh, ambulance uh, crew members are being worked to death and, and, and running off the roads, and 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 their home and personal lives are suffering because they have to work multiple jobs to to uh, make ends meet, and and uh, and how corrosive that is to to people's well-being. But at least more people uh, who are in charge of making decisions on that sort of thing are are uh, are cognizant of the problem and they're openly talking about it. So I think that's a good thing, at least.
0: Yeah, so if you have to put if you have to put your finger on a highlight for EMS in the
1: year twenty nineteen, what would you say it was? I I don't know if I could put my thing on on one seminal event or one highlight. I, I do think that clinically, um, uh, where technology is 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 really starting to roll with things like advent of AI and and Alexa on ambulances and. And uh, and and more and more uh, digital technology. Um, Pulsera, uh, their app, doing the uh, making a more seamless interface between EMS and, and the emergency department, and, and how that's building and growing. Um, and you know, new technology like the Apple Watch and and um, and that sort of thing, where where we're actually starting to see. Uh, what we considered EMS roles to be crowdsourced to to the lay public now, uh, and it's and it's spurred by technology. Um, so I think that's going to sh- shift the landscape uh, quite a bit in in coming years. And I don't know necessarily that that's a bad thing. Uh, I was a luddite about it at one time, but but I think that the potential there to be something very good for our profession is is there. And, and clinically, you know, we've got cool things like like. Uh, um, sonography, you know, ultrasound technology that is becoming ever more affordable, ever more affordable, and and uh, the the uh, know how to use it uh, is expanding as well. So I think um, uh, that bodes well for the profession of EMS.
0: You know, I think that I have to agree with you. I think that the, we're starting to see a lot more advancement in our career field. I think we're starting to see a lot more research that's happening yeah. as well. You and I have been very critical about. <laughs> You know, we say all the time, 50% of what we do in EMS is wrong. We just don't know which 50%, you know, similar to that of the doctors in uh, a medical school. They hear that from their instructors. But I think we're starting to see from an EMS standpoint, it's always kind of been a, you know, we we take our cues from the hospitals. We take our cues from the medical community. And I think we saw a lot of things this year where, EMS is really starting to take the lead in those things and when we start to think about as you mentioned, you know I'm still not a fan of ultrasound, but it seems that it's finding its place in the field And you know, we start to think about uh, more and more equipment that's coming out and technology and you know, I read an article yesterday about uh, where a neurologist was doing a uh, uh, you know a neurological assessment of a stroke patient in the back of an ambulance using telehealth. And I know that's one of the things that you don't like, but now I think we're starting to see. I don't know
1: that I dislike telehealth um, in concept. Uh, I think telehealth with a neurologist doing the exam on the patient in the back of the ambulance is a much better uh, and more effective uh, means of of, uh, stroke care than stroke ambulances with mobile CT scanners. (laughs) But... Um, that, that's one technology boondoggle I'll never understand but uh, but bringing the doctor to the patient via telehealth I don't know that that's a bad thing
0: I don't know that boondoggle is a good word to use on this show either so maybe we tape that out 20 but let me ask you this question <laughs> Kelly so we we talked about some of the highlights what, what would you call the low lights I think of VMS this year
1: uh you know, the, the misbehavior and, and, and bad act by, by EMS providers. And, and I don't know that that's anything new, Chris. It's just that it's reported. And and now that we have this global uh, 24-7 news cycle and, and, and uh, bad news tends to travel faster than good, we continue to see more and more examples of, of EMTs behaving badly. And, and you see that all the time in social media. And I wish it would stop. Uh, I don't think it's a new thing, but man, it, it gets wearisome hearing about it. I don't hear enough good news uh, about uh, providers doing things like buying socks for the homeless or, or or mowing a patient's yard after he's been taken to the hospital and he can't take care of it himself. And those, you know, some of those some of those heartwarming stories about EMTs and paramedics going the extra mile far beyond rendering life saving medical care. That we like to highlight on the show, um, I'd like to be able to highlight a lot more of those stories uh, that just don't come around as often as as you'd hope.
0: Yeah, I think that to me, uh, I think you bring up a really good point. And you know, uh, you know, uh, one of the, my favorite sayings that you have is uh, uh, "do stupid things, win stupid prizes," kind of thing. That's right. And we still see a lot of those EMS providers who uh, should know better. And you know, it's not the it's not the if you're going to get caught, caught but the when you're going to get caught, yeah. and then it really kind of gives everybody, you know, kind of a bad, uh, you know, a bad taste in their mouth about our career field. You know, to me, I think the low lights of the year is the continued uh, loss of providers. I lost yes. two friends this year that I worked with uh, to suicide. Um, and, uh, you know, we lost a friend in, in Brian fast, uh, who died, uh, basically cardiac issues that, uh, uh, was very, very surprising as well. Um, but I, I, I found myself, Kelly becoming very cynical, you know, so we did a show after the loss of, uh, uh, you know, one of my friends who was uh, an FTO, who was a great paramedic. He wound up killing himself and, um, I remember we had a very emotional show where we talked about, um, you know, suicide. And we always end those same shows by saying, if you need us, give us a call. You're not alone. Um, You know, please don't, you know, consider hurting yourself. And then uh, just a few weeks back, uh, another friend in Oklahoma uh, killed himself. Uh, Somebody I'd worked with for a lot of years in the MedStar system. And I I sat back and I I tried to reflect on what the meaning of that was. And the realization is, if people are going to kill themselves, are we really, and this is where I think I was becoming cynical, and it really kind of set off a bad tone for my day, and actually there were a few days in there that I was down on myself for thinking about this, that I don't think there's anything we're going to do. I mean, I think if people are going to kill themselves, um, they're going to do it. I mean, because they hear that people are doing it. They, um, hear the people say you're not alone. Um, they know that the resources are out there to try to help them, but they're not taking it. So there was about a week there, mm-hmm. Kelly, that I was very, very, um, um, uh, you know, against the world that yeah. I'm not going to be able to make a difference in this space because if people are going to do it, they're just going to do it and we just have to deal with it.
1: Well, yeah, but, uh. And, and and you know, Chris, that's entirely understandable. That a reasonable person would think that way, would think as you do. Oh, what help are we gonna? Are we gonna? Are we gonna be able to provide if someone's intent on killing themselves? They're gonna kill themselves. They've already decided. And, and you know, that's how reasonable people think. The problem is that people who are suicidal aren't reasonable. Um, they may not. The, their depression whispers nasty little lies in your ear and and you are locked in the throes of depression, you are unable to hear those outside voices and the, those voices that bring hope. Uh, all you're listening to is the dark voices in your ear and, and they're so much easier to listen to because it's your voice. You know, who, who, who can you trust if not yourself? So people who are contemplating suicide you know, it's often said that it's the most selfish thing you can do, and, and and I'm all about my pain and screw everybody else that has to deal with the aftermath. But people who are suicidal aren't thinking that way, man. They, they cannot see uh, that bigger picture. All they can focus on it is their pain. And and anybody who has been in pain uh, should be able to understand this. Uh, when When you're hurting with a kidney stone or when I am physically the same thing, um, not much else tends to, to matter. The, the world takes a backseat to the agony that you're in um, and you can become very focused on yourself. Well, I would imagine that it's the same is true for, for psychological and, and emotional pain as well. Um, I think the key is is that we have to uh, make it known again and again and again that we will be there and, and that we're uh, available In those moments when they're not entirely focused on their own pain and and be more cognizant of the signs, so that we know when to reach out when when reaching out might actually make a difference. Uh, I I I just uh, uh, I just just had a a good friend whose son uh, committed suicide just uh, a few days ago and and it's tearing her up, uh, asking herself what she could have done. And, and there's, real no, there's no real good answer for that, but, but there were signs. There were signs before that. Um, and, and, and I just just had a, an episode with a friend where um, it turned out well, it turned out okay, but, but I pissed him off mightily because I, I tried to, uh, to intervene when I thought he might be contemplating doing something. So, uh, but, but he's my brother and I love him and, and I don't want that sort of thing to, to happen Uh, if I can do something about it. And and I think that's the key for all of us who are not, uh, who Uh, who are the support support system for our, our friends who are in pain is just to keep being there and to keep reaching out, uh, and, and letting them know that, uh, that it's not all about, um, what's going on wrong with your life right now. There's, there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: So I think you're right, and I think that we have to be able to still continue to try to make that difference, And, uh, but i got to tell you, that was one of my low lights of the year, and I was yeah. very, very, very down on myself uh, for thinking that way, but uh, I want to go ahead and take a quick break here, Kelly, and when I come back, I want to hear your thoughts about uh, what you hope happens in 2020 for EMS, but certainty in uncertain situations is one of the things you need to do your job, wherever you are. And it's why Medtronic offers capnography and pulse oximetry monitoring solutions that are designed to give you early insights into your patient's breathing. Act faster and intervene sooner. Find out how at Medtronic.com slash EMS. So if we think about 2020, Kelly Grayson, What's the one thing, if you could put your finger on, that you would like to see happen within our career field when we talk this time next year?
1: Uh, I, I think that what I would really like to see is for us to take ownership and responsibility, period, of everything that we do. Ownership and responsibility for the health and well-being of our coworkers, from from peer support for emotional issues to to being your brother's keeper and taking care of them when they're physically fatigued and taking care of your people if you're in a management position uh, because they are your most valuable resource uh, and to take ownership and responsibility for moving our profession forward be it better education, degrees, uh, clinical excellence all of those sorts of things. Uh, I, I just just read a, a Facebook post by Brian Bledsoe where he he said he'd binged read uh, a bunch of pre-hospital airway research, and it was it was fairly evident, and clear that that we absolutely suck it into tracheal intubation, and that supraglottic airways are taking over, supplanting into tracheal intubation, and maybe that's not a bad thing. And and I've, that's something I've been saying for 15 years. So it, it's. Uh, but the problem is, is I've been saying it for 15 years, and the problem's still there. Uh, that's something as a profession, I wish we would do. Uh, I think we would be more, we should be more proactive and, and, uh, rather than reactionary and, and, reflexively defending our turf, uh, rather than, than looking forward and saying, how can we approve, uh, how are we going to create and be the, the EMTs of the next century? Uh, that's what I wish would happen. We'll see. But Hey, those are my thoughts. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Chris and I both would at the show at ems1.com. And for myself, co-host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. You guys have a Merry Christmas, and we'll catch you guys next week.